0: Welcome back to Kettlebells and Cocktails. This is our weekly edition of The Weekly Buzz. I am here with Joe Jenaton who is the managing editor of The Morning Chalk Up. Joe, how's it going?
1: Good, great to see you, Nikki.
0: Likewise, thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time listening to The Weekly Buzz, as a reminder, this is a collaboration between Kettlebells and Cocktails and The Morning Chalk Up. And this is our chance to talk about the biggest headlines going on in and around the world of CrossFit. Every week, Joe gets together. With John and I to talk about what's going on in competition space, in the affiliates, in the CrossFit community. And I am particularly excited, Joe, this week to talk about some of the stories that have hit the news. So please kick us off. What is going on in the world of CrossFit this week?
1: Yeah, what a week of news this past week, right? (laughs) It felt like every day there was something dropping. So let's start with the big news. CrossFit Games headed to Fort Worth, Texas. At this point, people have talked about a lot of different elements of this, but just to recap a couple of quick things, Fort Worth is the fifth largest city in Texas, uh, home of TCU, Texas Wesleyan. The host or the home for the games is going to be the Dickies Arena, which is a 14,000 seat arena. We can compare that to the Alliant Energy Center, which was 10,000 seat arena. So there is uh, a little bit more room. <laughs> so depending on, depending on the configuration in the Dickies Arena, there, that could mean anywhere from two to three or even 4,000 more seats for spectators.
0: Are, are we gonna fill those seats, do you think? Like, is, is the CrossFit Games popular enough to really get enough butts in seats and tickets sold to make that type of arena feel packed? Cause you don't want it to feel empty.
1: So for the last couple of years, the Coliseum in Madison sold out. You were still able to get seats through like StubHub and on the resale market until this year, heading into the games this season, this year, you could not, there were, there were no tickets on StubHub. So it was completely, completely sold out. Um, So I think there's going to be no problem in selling out this, the seats in the Dickies arena. And a I think that's going to translate to, it could translate to hundreds of thousands or, or potentially millions of dollars in revenue for for CrossFit. Um,
0: and is the Dickies Arena the type of place where we could host everything indoors? Because Tejas in the summer does not sound fun. That'd be on.
1: Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> Dave Castro was on the Mike Ritland podcast over the weekend. I'm um, not sure if you saw this, but they recorded it before that announcement was made that that the games are moving to Fort Worth. But in the interview, Castro said that 95% of the tests at next year's games will be indoors. Okay. So that does leave some outside, potentially. Or he could be alluding to maybe an aquatic event, like an indoor pool. Oh, yeah. TCU has both indoor and outdoor aquatic centers that could be of use. This is all speculation, of course. That could be but he said 95% of the test will be indoors.
0: Cool. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. I mean, we've been through the ringer on our (laughs) athletes performing at outdoor venues that, that have just had the craziest heat, humidity, whatever. This is all the way back to Carson and even beforehand. So it's, It's good to take into account what they'll need to endure out there in addition to the hardest tests on earth. Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some cool stuff surrounding the Dickey's Arena. There's a football field, about a 20-minute walk with plenty of parking. It is an 18,000-seat football stadium with an all-turf field. So we're going to be in Texas. I would love the idea of like a Friday night lights style event in a football stadium. There's a big river trail complex that runs through the city. So there's a possibility there as well. Like I said, Dave said ninety-five percent of the tests will be indoors. There's still some things that we're waiting to find out. We don't know about the age groups, the teens. We don't know about the adaptive divisions. We saw that the schedule has us in Fort Worth, August eighth through the eleventh.
0: That's four days. (laughs) That's four days. That's not the seven eight day CrossFit Games that we're used to.
1: Yeah. Another thing that I picked up on that podcast. In Castro's interview was he teased the idea of a new format. He said it twice. He said new location, new format. So I don't know if that's referring to not hosting the age groups in adaptive at the same time. We don't know. Rumors are flying around the the space. I don't know if you've heard any.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, the, the rumors I've heard mainly have involved separating out the age group and adaptive and having them kind of like host their own competitions, which the more sure. we talk about it, the more seems like it could be plausible, given the fact that this is going to be a shorter competition for, for the games in general, like you could do just elites. I don't know how you would do everyone, but you know what? CrossFit has surprised us in the past, so <laughs> we just have to wait and see. And I'm sure that things are going to be released relatively soon because people need to start preparing for the upcoming season one way or another.
1: I reached out to CrossFit, and that's exactly the response that I received, huh. is that they they acknowledged that athletes need to plan their travel, need to plan their season, and so that information will be coming shortly. I expect it this week. I hope for it this week. Some of the rumors, though, have suggested that maybe the Legends would be handling the Masters, maybe cool. Teen, maybe the Teens would be at the Pit Fitness, Fitness Ranch at some in. point. Maybe Wheel would handle the adaptive competition. Again, these are this is all speculation. I can't say one way or the other about any of those, but that's what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah, it could be really cool to put a little bit more power into the hands of organizers and competitions that have really paved the way for those particular groups, and they they know what they're doing. They have a lot of clout. They they have a lot of experience, so that could be cool. I am excited yeah. to see what what happens there.
1: And there I I think that there are are pros and cons, upsides and downsides to all of these different formats, the possibility of new and different sponsors, the possibility of putting all of the spotlight on different age groups and things, balancing that against maybe it's not at the big show. So a lot to consider. And I'm sure we're going to have plenty of time to discuss all of those in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah, agree. Lots of pros and cons. I personally feel like I hope every show becomes the big show in and of itself because i don't the the, one of the reasons i like it altogether is because then it really feels like the spotlight is or should be equally on everyone at the quote-unquote big show but if we can get enough eyeballs and enough interest around these other events that really showcase other athletes and what their capabilities are then it could be wonderful for everyone so we'll see we'll see i could talk about this for like (laughs) 10 hours joe but what else is going on
1: Yeah, before we have
0: competition, yeah,
1: before we get to the 2024 season, we have to close out 2023. And that means next up, the Rogue Invitational. Uh, Yes. So, the roster's set, we're going to talk about that in a second, but I want to talk about the prize purse. Now, the Rogue Prize Purse is the highest outside of the CrossFit Games.
0: What the highest?
1: Yeah. So, it's really interesting how Rogue does it. They initially invest a million dollars in the prize purse and they buy bitcoin also $275,000 worth of bitcoin at $16,000 per coin wow as,
0: i barely understand what that means but it sounds like a lot of money
1: i also barely understand <laughs> cryptocurrency i barely understand currency right. let alone Fair. cryptocurrency <laughs> <laughs> but but my understanding is that bitcoin goes up in value and as it goes up in value the price purse grows. So there was an initial investment. Any growth to that Bitcoin adds to the purse and pays out at the time of the end of the competition. In addition to that, Rogue adds in a, an amount of money, $5 per ticket sold, 10% of registration fees. They add money in from t-shirt sales and the sale of shoes at RogueFitness.com. They promise a minimum of 1.275 million for the prize purse, but currently it's almost 1.5 million. Dang. Yeah, the way that gets paid out is a quarter of a million to the winner, almost a quarter, about a quarter of a million to the winner. And what is really cool is Rogue pays all the way down to 20th. So they pay the top, they, they, they pay a, a sliding scale down to ninth place. And then spots 10 through 20 right now, it's set at about $6,000 each.
0: Is that everyone? So that's 20
1: 20 and 20. athletes? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Cool. So
1: everyone competing um, will get a payday. And Rogue also provides travel stipends for these athletes.
0: Great. It's always Mm -hmm. nice to see when competitions have a good understanding of what it takes to be an athlete and the type of investment it takes to show up (laughs) yourself feed yourself. I mean, that's outside of like train for the thing and take care of your body and take all the supplements. And oh, my God. So it's I hope that this is a trend that we continue to see across events and across the season.
1: I think it goes a long way toward allowing athletes to train the way they need to train. It goes a long way toward professionalizing the sport, which we hear a lot about. And so it's really great to see the kind of innovative ways that Rogue puts together this big prize purse in the offseason.
0: I'm more excited about when we get to see
1: it, Rogue. I know, I know. <laughs> you talk about it. Uh, you've wanted to talk about it for for weeks now. I so know. yes, now we can. Tia Clare Toomey making her return to the competition floor.
0: It's official at
1: Rogue. It is official. So just as a recap, let's think about her record since the 2017 okay. games, right? So undefeated at the games from 2017 through 2022 in person she won at Rogue in 2019 and 2021. Let's not forget the 2020 online Rogue event as well, which she also won. 2019, 2020 at Waterpalooza. During the Sanctionals era, she also won the Mayhem Classic. So, her in-person record since the 2017 games has been pretty impeccable.
0: That's insane. This woman is unstoppable. But but now what? We talked about this a little bit last week. Like, is this her chance to come back and show that she's quote unquote like still in the game? Or is this her chance to come back and continue to dominate? That's what I want to see. Like, did she did she pick this competition to come back at because she feels like she's doing well enough to hang? Or is she confident in herself that she's gonna come back and I just to me like I feel like Tia would never want to take the floor unless she knew she could win.
1: I 100 percent agree with that. I don't think that she is looking for uh six thousand dollar payday here i think she steps foot on the floor she thinks that she has a legitimate chance to win that competition
0: she's about five months postpartum at this point right
1: i think when she steps foot on to that floor she will be about five months postpartum so may 9th i believe was the the date that that she gave birth so yeah five months
0: now, I don't think it makes any sense ever to really compare ourselves, us slowly, everyday humans <laughs> to the life of Wait, are the you going to make a human.
1: comparison of your own <laughs> athletic abilities and Tia Toomey's?
0: No, I was not. So it is <laughs> funny that I was going to compare my own postpartum journey to hers. But I think just as a woman, it's, it's wild to think like at five months postpartum, I'm I'm barely at the gym lifting like 50% of what I used to lift and do because it's a really slow build back for most people, depending on how your pregnancy went and how your birth went. Yeah. And so it it is just an insane accomplishment for her to step out onto the floor. And she's truly paving the way and setting an example for women who want to see that type of resilience. I think it's beautiful and wonderful. and And I also think that she makes a really beautiful statement in saying that her way is not the only way there's yeah. a lot of like weird a lot of weird mom stuff that happens out there online where it's like some people are mm. like look at him, how amazing she is she's doing it and then someone are like that's not normal we all she can't be expected to like do whatever at five months and and all of it is valid but i do think that the good outweighs the bad and watching her journey and watching her set her goals and her succeed in her goals and that is what's really important
1: Are you telling me that people on the internet have opinions about stuff
0: once you enter the parent space even more so than a lot of other spaces but i personally am so 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 excited wow it is going to be so much fun to watch her back out
1: there so let's so let's let's think about this for a second though so we're going to see tia step foot on this at at rogue out onto the floor the Mm -hmm. first time since 2017 not as the reigning fittest woman on earth right but she's going to be squaring off against the reigning fittest woman on earth Laura mm-hmm. So, That's What do we What happens? What happens if Tia wins? Does the question then is there is there a question about Laura's victory in Madison? I wouldn't necessarily put an asterisk there. But will do you think people will?
0: Yeah, I think people already are. I don't think that they should. I think the question of who wins at the cross of the games, who is the fittest on Earth is is a question of context of that exact moment. Who is the fittest on Earth? in that exact moment, and it was Mm -hmm. Laura. Mm -hmm. And that is including people who are out for medical reasons, people who are out for family reasons, people who are out for mental reasons. Like in that moment in the world, Laura was absolutely the fittest on earth and there is nothing you can do to take that away from her. In that moment in time, Tia Toomey was not the fittest person on earth for Mm -hmm. whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And could she be at Rogue? Could she have elevated herself back to that status? Entirely possible, but we will find out in Fort Worth. That's true.
1: We will. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from a purely uh, selfish point of view, as somebody who uh, writes about the sport of CrossFit, um, if Tia wins, that sets us up for a great storyline heading into the 2024 season. If Tia doesn't win, that sets us up for a great storyline headed into the 2024 season. So, either way, the community, I think, gets to see some great competition and have something to follow heading into next.
0: Totally. Yeah, could not agree more. Awesome. All right, what else is going on?
1: Yeah, this is a quick one. Brooke Wells, probably the most notable athlete in the offseason to make a big training camp shift. She has announced that she is leaving Proven for HWPO. Anybody who sort of follows Brooke's career, probably, or who has followed Brooke's career, this isn't really surprising. She's very close with Matt Fraser and Sammy Monez. She works with Matt O'Keefe and has worked with Todd Melanie at Noble, previously at Noble for quite a while. So it makes sense for her. I talked to Matt O'Keefe, and this is what he said. We're proud to be part of Brooke's journey. Matt, Sammy, and I have worked with, trained with, and been friends with Brooke for over 10 years. To have the opportunity to work toward her goals with her is a privilege we're honored to have. We're honored to have. She joins Katrin Davidsdottir, Sam Quant, Amanda Barnhart, Mal O'Brien, Terry helga Christine Kolmbrander, Jason Hopper, all as part of the HWPO crew. Importantly, she's not going to relocate to Vermont, although she'll be there often training. Mm -hmm. I believe that Mal will remain the only uh, elite female athlete in residence in Vermont training full time.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't it doesn't strike me as super surprising. And also, I just think everyone up at that elite level is so close across the board that you could have named a, a number of training camps and be like, yeah, that makes sense. She's got friends over there. She's doing stuff over there. So it, it's interesting to watch these athletes bounce around and understand their trajectory season over season based off of yeah. who and who they're training with and where and how and, and That'll be really exciting. Brooke definitely has a, an insane legacy, and I think she's only getting better. So it'll be 8 crazy Eight to time, see time
1: we, veteran, major comeback after the injury and still a lot left in the tank. A lot to see here over the next oh, season. Sure.
0: So um, lots happening on the competition side of things. Lots happening on the competition side.
1: We did not have as many affiliate stories to report on last week. We've got some great stuff coming up this week. One thing that was very cool, and affiliate owners and gym members can both benefit from this. There are some some phone calls, some meetings last week between the CrossFit affiliate teams, affiliate owners, and a company called TruMed. And mm-hmm. TruMed works to help integrate gym's payment flows. But specifically what they were working on was using health savings accounts that people have as part of their benefits packages for their work to pay their gym memberships. So cool. So health savings accounts is, is pre-tax money, sometimes matched by your employer. So sometimes it's it's part of your own compensation and matched by your employer to be used for medical expenses and health and fitness and things like that. And TrueMed is able to work with affiliate owners to and doctors to have athletes use that HSA money for their gym fitness costs.
0: It's huge. Anything that we can do to lower the friction of getting people into gyms is enormous. And we know that one of those big friction points can be the cash flow.
1: Yeah. It means that a gym can help keep money in their members' pockets while not losing any revenue themselves. That can only help with retention.
0: For sure. That's great. And as I understand it, not an expert, so I'm sure I'll get messages about this. But as I understand it, this is sort of the way of the world in many European countries where Hmm. Going to the gym and taking, taking a proactive role in your own health and wellness is in fact in some ways sort of sponsored or subsidized yeah. by the government. So it's cool to be getting on that train. Finally. Yeah, so there. there we go. Getting there at least. There we go. <laughs> cool. Joe, thank you so much. This was a wonderful wrap up on all things CrossFit, mainly competition this week, but also in the community and the affiliate side. I am so excited to see, I know we're in the off season, but it just feels like we're in competition mode right now with everything that's coming up and all the news recently. So I'm really excited to see how it all shakes out and keep us posted because I'm sure things will be coming in. If you guys get more details between now and the next Weekly Buzz, what is the best way for people to keep up with all the latest headlines?
1: Of course, check out the Morning Chalk Up on Instagram and com.
0: Awesome. Joe, thank you so much. And thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next week on the Weekly Buzz.